The scripture reading this morning is from 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. If you're reading from the Red Pewback Bible in front of you, that's page 995. The saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're really glad that you're here. Thank you so much for stopping and coming to worship with us. We're thrilled that you've come to be with us. Give us a chance to get to know you before you leave this morning. Um, hope you'll find us to be a friendly group, and especially I hope that you'll find that we are trying to do Bible things in Bible ways, that we're trying to look at what the New Testament teaches the church ought to be, and we're just trying to do that. And if that appeals to you, we'd love to visit with you about that. We'd love to visit with you about our convictions, our beliefs. And it really doesn't matter what our convictions and beliefs are. What really matters ultimately is what does the Bible say? And that's what we're trying to do is be a Bible-based group of people, a group of Christians that meet here in this place. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Over the last several weeks, we've been studying the fruit of the Spirit. It is not fruits, plural, of the Spirit. It is the fruit of the Spirit, singular. And it's found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. In Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, the apostle is arguing that if we are led by God, if God is having his way in our lives, then the fruit of the Spirit will be evident. And the fruit of the Spirit is nine characteristics in this passage, although we would say there are many other things. This is not an exhaustive list of what happens when we follow God, when we are loyal to Jesus Christ. But the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the apostle goes on there in Galatians 5.23 to say, against these things there is no law. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Against these things, there is no law. There is no law in God's word that says you can be too loving or too joyful or too self-controlled or too faithful. There's no law in God's word that says, okay, you've had enough of that, don't do any more. Against these things, there is no law. And may I say this, there is a lifetime of challenge in the fruit of the spirit. You could spend the rest of your life striving to emulate these qualities, striving to have these qualities in your life. You could spend the rest of your life doing just that, and you would live a joyful, a peaceful, a self-controlled, a faithful kind of life. There is no law against these things. Therefore, practice them and abound in these things more and more. Add more of them to your life. That's what the apostle would argue with us. We're talking this morning about faithfulness. When I go to the car dealership to buy a car, I have one question that I want answered. Will this car be reliable? I don't care what color it is. I don't care how fancy it is. I don't care what model it is. I just want to know, this is me, it's the way I'm wired. Is it dependable? Is it a car that I can drive and drive and drive? And here's what faithfulness really is. If you're looking for a definition, faithfulness means that it is dependable. And I just want to know, will it start when I get in and turn the key? 
I want to know, is it going to last? Is it going to be durable? We might also use the word loyal when we describe the word faithfulness. It's being loyal to someone else. Or I like this idea. Faithfulness is about somebody who always shows up. Have you ever been in a class or maybe when you were going through elementary school and junior high and high school that they they gave awards at the end of the year to the kid that never missed a day, never was sick, never was absent? He's faithful. He's been there every single day. That's the idea of faithfulness. And brothers and sisters and friends, when we're really honest with ourselves, even though faithfulness is an ideal, even though faithfulness is something that we'd like to think is true about us, all of us mess up. None of us is as faithful as we would like to be. At least I hope you want to be faithful in some areas of your life. I hope you want to be faithful to God more than anything else, but none of us is faithful as we'd like to be. But the thing that we read in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 about faithfulness is this. It is the fruit of the Spirit. When you're living for Jesus Christ, when your life is following Him, when His death has changed your life, what happens is that faithfulness is the result. Faithfulness is something that happens in my life because of the fact that I'm following and serving Jesus Christ. I want to be dependable. I want to be loyal. I want to be the kind of person that God and others can count upon. That's the fruit that'll be seen in your life and in mine when we're following Jesus. So my question to you this morning is just this. Do the people in your life consider you to be faithful? Does God consider you to be faithful? Faithfulness, loyal, dependable. Those things are part of the lifestyle of a child of God. Let's talk about the necessity of faithfulness this morning. Why is this needed? Why is this even important? Why would this be part of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians 5, 22 and 23? The first reason is because, brothers and sisters and friends, God is faithful. Cody read just a few moments ago, if God, if we are faithless, God remains faithful to us. He cannot deny himself. God is always there. You want to talk about somebody who always shows up? Your God is always present. He is faithful. He is always there. He's always available. By the way, the scripture tells us that God cannot lie. Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18. He always tells the truth. He's faithful to his word. We serve a God who cannot lie, a God who is faithful. And because he's faithful, if we're following him, we become like what we follow. And if you're following God, if you're truly living for him, this is going to be a quality that's evident in your life as well. A second reason why faithfulness is needed in our lives, because brethren, it is a mark of maturity. You hear stories from employers these days about how we can't count on our employees. We can't count on them to, to do what they say and to show up on time and to those kinds of things. First Corinthians 4 verse 2 says, it is required of a steward to be found faithful. If he is the kind of steward that God wants him to be, faithfulness is going to be the result. And one of the things that as we grow up, I've been working on a series of Bible classes lately called adulting. I don't know when I'm going to teach that series of classes, but what does it mean to be an adult? What does it mean to be mature? What does it mean to be full grown? Did you know that one mark of maturity in the Bible is that we are consistent and dependable and reliable and loyal and faithful? That's a mark of maturity. Young people, love you guys. There's a whole bunch of you guys sitting on these three pews. 
Let me give you some career advice. This is career advice from the Bible. Doesn't matter what you choose for a career, as long as it honors God, and you do these three things. Number one, show up when you're supposed to. Whatever job you have, show up when you're supposed to. Number two, do your job according to what's expected of you. And if you're really smart, you'll do even more than what's expected of you. And number three, have a good attitude. If you can do those three things consistently, it does not matter what you choose for a career, you will be successful in the long run because that is faithfulness, that is maturity. And brothers and sisters and friends, it doesn't matter what you're doing in your life, if you'll show those kinds of characteristics, it's a mark of maturity, it's a mark that we've grown up, it's a mark that we think about somebody other than ourselves all the time and how I feel and what I want and what's going on in my heart and my life. It's a mark of maturity. Faithfulness is a blessing to others. Matthew 22, 39 and 40, Jesus says, the two great commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to me, every husband wants a faithful wife. It is a blessing to her husband when she is faithful to him. Every wife, men, wants a faithful husband. Parents, if you're godly, you want your kids to grow up to be faithful to God. It's what we desire. And young people, again, not picking on you this morning, but you're just right here in my field of vision. Young people, we want more than anything else for you to grow up to be faithful to God, more than anything else. We want you to be loyal and dependable. We want you to walk with Jesus every day of your life. That's what people want. It's a blessing to your family. It's a blessing to others, to those who've loved you and invested in you, that you're faithful to God. We need to remember that when we're faithful, we're a blessing to others. Think about it again in the employment field. If you're an employer, you want an employee that shows up when they're supposed to. You want an employee that is faithful on the job, that does their job well. You want an employee that does their job with a good attitude. It's a blessing to others. It's a way to love our neighbor as ourselves when we show faithfulness. Why is it necessary? Because it shows that we belong to God. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You belong to God. You're his child and part of your good works that you do have to do with faithfulness, have to do with being dependable and reliable and loyal, those things. It demonstrates that we belong to God. And ultimately, brothers and sisters and friends, faithfulness pleases God. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Revelation 2 verse 10. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. God is pleased when you and I run our race, when we walk our course and we get to the finish line. And I want you to listen. The most important words you can ever hear from God are these. Well done, good and faithful servant. Matthew 25, verse 21. Doesn't matter what else you've done with your life, if you can hear those words from God, well done, good and faithful servant, that means everything. Be faithful, it's needed. What keeps us from being faithful? And I said a few minutes ago, every one of us messes up when it comes to faithfulness. You think you're gonna be faithful, you think this is what you wanna do, but all kinds of things crowd in. And so what are some of the things that keep us as Christians, as human beings from being 
dependable and loyal, faithful the way God desires. Sometimes it's a lack of depth. Look, if you would, at Luke chapter 8 in your Bible. Look at verse 13. Just look at a couple of passages with me for a moment. Luke chapter 8, verse 13. Jesus is telling the story of the parable of the four kinds of soil. And in Luke chapter 8, verse 13, he talks about people who hear the word. They hear God's word. And he says in Luke 8, verse 13, the ones who are rocky soil. He says the, the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, these are people that listen to God's message. They receive it with joy. They hear the word, they hear the message of the gospel and they receive it eagerly, joyfully. But these have no root, Jesus says. And so they believe for a while and then in time of testing, they fall away. When persecution arises, when difficulties arise, when life gets complicated and life gets hard because they have no root, they're not very deep. They're not thinking about what they've what they've promised to God, their faithfulness wanes. We need to be deep in our understanding and our study of God's word, constantly, constantly serving him, knowing him better, knowing him more richly. It's about a lack of depth. Sometimes we are hindered in faithfulness by instability. Got your Bible? Everybody, look at Ephesians 4, 13 and 14. Everybody. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Very important passage when it comes to this subject. Faithfulness. Ephesians 4, 13 and 14. God has given us teachers. He's given us his gospel. He's given us his son so that we can be faithful to him. And the apostle writes... We want to attain to the unity of the faith, Ephesians 4.13, of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature, there's that idea of maturity, mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, the goal of God is to help you and me to be mature, full grown, to look like Jesus. That's what he wants for you. He wants you to look like Jesus and he wants me to look more like Jesus, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that, look at verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and, de and deceitful schemes. The idea is somebody that's out there in a heavy surf in the ocean. You just can't stand up when those waves are hitting you over and over and you're tossed every time one of them hits you. And he says, that's how some people are in their faith. Every time they hear something new or every time they don't like something they do hear, they go look for something else and they're just all over the map. They're everywhere, tossed back and forth. Faithfulness is hard when we're unstable. And there is a need for us to go back to the word of God and ask, is this really what I'm listening to and what I'm saying? Is this really what the scriptures are teaching? Not what my idea, my preconception is, but is this really what the Bible says? Because otherwise we're gonna be unstable. 2 Peter 3.16 talks about people that twist, unstable souls that twist the scriptures to their own destruction. Don't be unstable in your faith. Faithfulness, questioning the effort. I remember junior high school algebra. There was a girl in my class that every day for the entire year, it seems, would ask this question, algebra. How am I gonna use this in my real life? And her question was one that I've, I've asked myself. 
Is this really worth the effort? I know I'm talking to a bunch of engineers. I get it. I know algebra is useful. I know the roof wouldn't stay up if it wasn't for algebra. I get that. But she didn't understand that in eighth grade. And I didn't either. And so, Jesus says in Luke 9, 62, no one who puts his hand to the plow and turns back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. What does he mean? He means once you say, I'm going to live the Christian life, don't look back and don't question, is this really worth it? Think about the promises of God. Think about the good things and the grace that God provides. Think about those things. Keep your eye on the goal. Keep your hand on the plow. Don't give up and stop questioning whether the effort is worth it. When two people say, I do, when they say, I want to be married to you and I promise to be loyal to you until death parts us, that's a promise of faithfulness. Don't question whether it's worth the effort. Faithfulness helps us to grow up. It helps us to get outside of ourselves. It helps us to be mature. Stop questioning the effort. It's not what God would have us to do. Don't put your hand to the plow and look back. Some people are hindered from faithfulness by the grass is greener syndrome. The rich young, uh, not the rich young, the prodigal son in Luke 15, verses 11 and 12. The young man, he has everything in his father's house. He's got wealth, he's got prosperity, he's got uh, food enough and to spare. But the, the young man looks at the far country and he thinks, you know, I think things would really be better for me in the far country. The grass seems like it's a lot greener over there. And so he's unfaithful to his father. He says, father, I want my inheritance. Give it to me and I'm going to the far country. And that's exactly what he did. There are a lot of people like the prodigal today. A lot of people that look at their lives and they, they have all these blessings and all this goodness that God has blessed them with. And they look at all that and they say, yeah, but over there, it looks like it would be better. That'll hinder us from faithfulness. That idea, that thought. Distractions and diversions. Turn in your Bibles, get your Bible, look at Mark 4, verse 19, distractions and diversions. There are a lot of things that can hinder us from being as faithful as we should be. Mark chapter 4, verse 19, again, the parable of the sower and the soils. And in Mark 4, verse 19, listen to what the scripture says. Mark 4, verse 19, some seed falls among the thorns, Jesus says, but the cares of the world, Mark 4, 19, and the deceitfulness of riches. You see that? Riches, money, wealth, it's lying to you. The deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things. Those things enter in and they choke the word and it proves unfruitful. We could become unfaithful in our living for Jesus because we are so distracted by worries and cares and troubles and by riches and the desire for things. We can become so distracted that we become unfaithful in a lot of different areas of our lives. Hindrances. Notice next as we think about this concept of faithfulness in our lives, the challenges. What makes faithfulness so difficult? And I would suggest four areas in which especially we need to think about what it means to be loyal, what it means to be dependable, what it means to be faithful to God and to others. Four areas that are challenging. Area number one, it is tough, brothers and sisters and friends, to be faithful in small things. But this is a matter of integrity. This is a matter of character. This is a matter of who we are when no one's watching, being faithful in small things. Jesus says in Luke 16, 10 and 11, if you're faithful in small things, I will make you faithful over much. But if you're unfaithful in small things, even that which you have will be taken away, the Lord says. 
you know, we think about faithfulness and we think about making one big grand gesture. I read an illustration as I was preparing for this lesson and it went like this. If somebody gives you a million dollars and you go around with that million dollars and you think, wow, I've, I've really been blessed. And then somebody, the Lord maybe demands that million dollars back and okay, my, my grand gesture, I'm gonna give it all back in one fell swoop. I could be faithful, somebody might say, but it's a lot more difficult to give a dollar here, two dollars there, a dollar fifty over here, five dollars over there. It's a lot more difficult to give the million dollars back that way, little at a time, little at a time. That's the idea of our lives though, being faithful in the small things, the way that you handle yourself when you're in traffic, the way that you handle yourself when your kids or your grandkids are getting on your nerves, the way that you conduct yourself. It's about faithfulness. The way that you respond when the elders ask the church to do something, to gather together, the way that you respond, it's faithful in the small things. And Jesus says, if you can be faithful in small things, I'll make you faithful over much. It's a challenge to think about the small things in our lives where we need to be faithful to God. Where do you go when you're surfing the internet? What websites do you visit and why? It's about faithfulness, being faithful in small things. Sometimes a challenge of faithfulness is that nobody recognizes or appreciates that you're being faithful. Have you ever felt that way? I'm faithful, I'm dependable, I'm loyal, I'm always here. It's like the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son. Father, I've always been here, I've always been in your field, I've, I've been working hard and nobody's appreciated me and nobody's thrown a feast for me. That's his, that's his complaint there in Luke chapter 15. A lack of recognition. And a lot of people struggle in faithfulness because they say, well, I'm doing the right thing and nobody appreciates it. Listen, faithfulness as the fruit of the Spirit is about doing what's right and doing what's good regardless of whether anybody recognizes and pats you on the back. It's about serving the Lord. It's about pleasing Him. Proverbs says in Proverbs 25, verses 6 and 7, don't seek glory for yourself. Don't look at your life and say, well, where's my honor? Where's my praise? Rather, wait patiently until someone else glorifies and honors you. Being faithful. Maintaining a good attitude. That's hard to do. Not just doing the right thing, but doing the right thing with the right heart, the right attitude, the right spirit. Having the mind of Christ in us. Philippians 2 verse 5 as we're serving, as we're striving, as we're working, as we're obeying, it is difficult to maintain a healthy attitude. It's a challenge of faithfulness. Enduring to the end. There have been a lot of Christians over the years that have begun well and fallen by the wayside. There have been a lot of Christians who started the race and they started with enthusiasm, they started with zeal, they started with sincerity, they started in truth, and because of one thing or another, some of the hindrances we talked about, they fall by the wayside. Listen, the most important thing about your life when it comes to faithfulness is whether or not you're willing to finish the race, whether or not you're willing to run with Christ to the very end. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 tells us that we ought to run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who ran his race all the way to the cross. Be like him. Finish the race and finish it with joy.
It's one thing to be faithful right now. Anybody can be faithful for just a little bit. It's about being faithful over the long haul. That's what God calls us to do, enduring to the end. Let's talk about seven specific areas in which you and I need to think about faithfulness in our lives. God is faithful. He does not lie. He always keeps his promises. He always shows up. He always does what he says. And God is calling us to follow him and be faithful. What are some areas in which you and I need to think about being faithful? Number one, keep your word. If you're going to say something, if you're going to make a vow to God, defer not to pay it. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 37. Be faithful in what you say. If you tell somebody you're going to do something, do it. If you promise somebody you're going to do something, fulfill your promise. Parents, listen to me, since I've talked to the young people this morning. One of the big mistakes parents make with their kids, especially when our kids are small, is to promise things and then not fulfill our promises. Be careful, parents, the promises that you make to your kids. Be careful, be thoughtful. Am I gonna be able to fulfill this promise? But don't get into the habit, parents, of saying, yes, we're gonna do this, and then, as the time comes near, saying, oh no, I changed my mind. Don't do that. Keep your word even to your kids or don't give your word to them at all. Using your talents. Everybody in this room has been blessed with abilities and talents and gifts that God has given to you. And as a steward of those talents and abilities and gifts, you and I have to find out how can I use my my talents and abilities and gifts to bless not only the people of God, but my neighbors around me in the world. How can I use my talents and abilities and gifts to do that? First Peter chapter four, verse 10, we are stewards of the manifold, the many faceted grace of God. Use your talents and abilities for the Lord and for the people of the Lord and for the people around you that don't know Jesus. It's about faithfulness, honor your marriage. Hebrews 13, verse four, let marriage be held in honor among all. Let the marriage bed be undefiled. Fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Being faithful to our marriages, it's not just about sexual fidelity, it is also about where our hearts are in our marriages. It's about where our time is being spent, where our energy is being invested. Honor marriage. If you're married, honor that marriage. Be faithful to that marriage. Make it the best, most Christ-like marriage you can possibly make it. It's about faithfulness, dependability, loyalty. It's about those things to the glory of God. What kind of husband would Jesus be after all? Love your wives as Christ loved the church, Ephesians 5, verse 25. Faithful. Stand by your friends. If you're taking notes, write this down because our world needs to hear this. We can disagree about some things and we can still be friends. There are some very serious matters in life that we can disagree about and yet we can still be friends. Now, we need as Christians to ask the question, am I being unduly influenced for evil by my friends? 1 Corinthians 15, 33, evil companions corrupt good morals. But here's what happens in our world. When two people start to disagree, we just cancel each other. We just vanish. I'm not going to be your friend anymore. 
Be loyal, be faithful, stand by your friends. And even if you disagree about some things, that might be an end to the friendship eventually, but don't just make that your default first response. A friend sticks closer than a brother. We need to be loyal to those that God has blessed us with in our lives that are our friends. And especially, especially if our friends are New Testament Christians, be very careful, be very careful about how you treat those people. It's about friendship, it's about loyalty, it's about dependability, it's about loving the people of God, especially in a very special way, Galatians chapter six and verse 10. Next, we need to be faithful in our financial stewardship. Whatever your bank account reads right now, God expects us to be faithful stewards. He expects us to manage our wealth and our finances to his glory, all of us. Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and 10 tells us to honor the Lord with our possessions, with the first fruits of all of our increase. It's not just about giving on Sunday. It's not just about that. It's about thinking very wisely and biblically. How would God want me to manage this? What does God desire when it comes to my financial stewardship? We need as Christians to think about that question. I'll tell you something, there is this widespread notion that's come into the world and especially in the church now that you know, gambling is not that big of a deal. Gaming and those kinds of things, it's not that big of a deal, it's not that big of a problem. Let me just ask you this question and I'll leave it alone for, for right now. How is that being a good steward? How is that showing that you hold this responsibility before God in a way that honors Him? Treat your employer fairly. If you've got a job, if you've got work to do, do your work with all your heart as to the Lord and not to men. Titus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Do your work faithfully. Show up when you're supposed to show up. Do your work. Do an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. You know, we don't hear those kinds of things anymore. And companies, you know, they, they treat their employees without any kind of faithfulness, it seems, a lot, of these day, a, lot of the, a lot of the time today. But it's also true that a lot of employees, they refuse to do what the work demands. If you're a Christian, though, it's not just about what you think of your employer or what you think of your job. It's about who you're serving, for real. We're to serve God. And in the way that we treat our employers, we are to do our, our work as to the Lord and not to men. It's about being faithful. Area number seven, if you want to be faithful in your life, commit yourself to a local church. There is no such thing in the Bible as at-large Christians. There's no such thing as Christians who are floating around with no local congregation that they've identified with. You do not read of that in the Bible. Romans 12 verse 5 says, we are members individually of one body. It's talking about a local congregation. Acts 9, 26, when Paul went to Jerusalem for the first time, he tried to join the disciples. He, he looked for the church and he said, I want to identify and I want to worship with and I want to work with the disciples. And they were afraid of Paul because they knew he, he had been a persecutor in the past. But he tried to join them as the point. Commit yourself to a local church because this is God's will for you and be faithful to that local congregation. That's God's will for you as well. Be loyal. We find blessings and accountability. We find joy and we find peace in serving Jesus Christ within the local church. 
That's not my idea, that's God's idea. Commit yourself to the local church. Faithfulness, dependability, reliability, loyalty. How are you doing in those areas? Do people look at you and say, there goes somebody who's faithful, faithful to God, faithful to others. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. Don't ever forget that. Maybe you need to respond to heaven's invitation this morning because you know that you need to be saved from your sins. You want to obey the gospel. If we can help you do that this morning, the way that somebody comes to Christ is just by doing this, by believing that Jesus really did come to die for us, that his death can pay the price for your sin. You gotta believe that. Confess his name, speak the name of Jesus before witnesses because you're saying with your life and with your heart, I'm going to follow him. He's, he's the king, he's gonna be my Lord. Repent of your sin, Acts 2.38. Turn away from the way that you've been living and live for, for him faithfully and be baptized. At the point of baptism, we become members of the New Testament church, Galatians 3.27. We put on Christ and we become part of God's family. If we can help you to do that this morning, whatever your need, once you come all together, we stand and while we sing.